Thank you, Phil. Thank you, worship ministry. I would invite you to take your copy of the Lord's Word and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This will be our main text for this morning. I'm going to briefly refer to Ephesians 5, 22 through 23. I would encourage you to follow along today in the worship guide to fill in the blanks if you would like to do that. Um, if that's your thing, you can do that. If not, if you'd rather follow along with notes on the screen, they're there. Also, to turn your attention to the devotion that is there on your notes. It was written this week by our very own Mrs. Betsy O'Neill, and it will be a blessing to you. I would encourage you. It's written specifically for the wives this week. I would encourage you to take advantage and opportunity of that this week. So we want to continue in this discussion of the family on the specific topic of when Tunis becomes oneness, when Tunis becomes oneness. Last week we looked at the role of the husband, this week we're going to look at the role of the wife. Our main statement is this, is that being a wife after God's instruction is very precious in his sight. Being a wife after God's instruction is very precious in his sight. Um, by God's grace, I've, my voice has come back. I lost it for about a week and a half. Uh, last week, I was on some medication in order to kind of help me get through. But all this week that I've struggled talking above a whisper, and there were two ladies that were in the office this week. They said, you know what? This is God's protection over us for Sunday. <laughs> that you'll only be able to whisper. But no, I don't want to in any way uh, be a discouragement to our ladies. Um, want to be an encouragement to all of us and also for all of us to just humbly look at the Word of God and say, what does it say? Andrea and I, my lovely bride here this morning, um, have talked about this this week of what does this passage mean? What does it mean to her? What does it mean? What was it intended to mean? And it's, it's funny for both of us, as we were talking immediately, the wheels began to spin on what we think it has to mean based on what we've always heard. And so today, I just want to let the Word of God speak. So 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. It says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which, is, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, 
showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you in the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I would ask you to turn your attention to the screen as I also read Paul's words on the same subject, two verses. Uh, this is Ephesians 5, through 23. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. So again, our main statement is this, is being the wife after God's instruction is very precious in his sight. This is taken specifically from the scripture in verse 4 of chapter 3 there. It says, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight, which in God's sight is very precious. So let's talk about what these things mean this morning. First is wives be subject to your husbands. This is the language of Peter. Paul says wives submit to your husbands. Peter says wives be subject to your husbands. And it probably means something different than you or I initially think when we come to this text. First of all, let's get out of the way what it does not mean. The Bible nowhere says, nor is it speaking of here, that women are be, to be subservient to men. The Bible does not say women are be, to be subservient to men. The specific context here is talking about wives and husbands. Wives and husbands. A wife is to submit to a husband's lead or leadership. Last week when we talked about with the man, that it starts with the man, for he's the head of the home, he's the leader of the home, so it starts with him. Perhaps you'll remember last week when I said, sir, it starts with you. Well, a wife is to submit to that leadership that he is to exhibit. The Bible is not saying, not saying that women are subject or to be subject to men. The specific instruction refers here to wives and their own husbands. Not someone else's husband. No, their own husbands. It's specific instruction. So, ladies, this is not saying that you are to be submissive to men. It's talking about one particular man. So what does it mean to be subject to your husband? Well, look at the first word that is used there in chapter 3. Notice it says, likewise, wives. Likewise, wives. Well, likewise is a word of comparative recall. If I open a statement and I say, well, likewise, it implies that I have just previously said something or you have said something that is prompting me to give a comparison. And this is exactly what has happened in 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter number 2, verses 13 through 19, the word be subject is used two times. And it's the same be subject that is used in 1 Peter 3 and verse 1. Let's look at how he uses it here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 19. It says, 
be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Who is he talking to here? He's talking to all believers. He's talking to all believers and saying, be subject to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. The second subject is found here. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. Well, so why does he use the word likewise? When you look back in 1 Peter 3, verse 1, likewise is clearly referencing back to our relationship between the state and their subjects and the relationships between a master and a servant. So is Peter saying here that a relationship between a husband and a wife is the same as those? Let me quote to you. Well, let me give you this principle, then I'll quote you from, uh, to you from theologian Wayne Grudem. So likewise, wives be subject implies similarity, not conformity. The word likewise implies similarity, but not conformity. Let me read to you from Wayne Grudem, um, systematic theologian in Phoenix, Arizona. Likewise modifies be submissive, and the reader would naturally make the connection with 2.18, the last time Peter used the verb be submissive, servants be submissive. Similarly, wives be submissive. Nevertheless, Peter does not use the stronger term kathos, even as, or in the same way, nor does he say in every way, be similar to servants in your submission. For wives clearly do not relate to their husbands in every way that servants relate to their masters. So when you leave that on the screen here for just a second, you may not have caught what he is saying there. Here's what he is saying. When Peter is using the word likewise, the word in the original language is like him saying this. He says, listen, we are to be subject to governing authorities. And we're also to be subject if we are servants, we are to be subject to our masters. Now, when it comes to husbands and wives, in a similar way, but not the same, that's what that word means. It's not identical. Now, this is huge because for some of us, maybe how we've grown up or what we've seen exhibited within the church or what we believe has been taught, this is the understanding that, well, Men are just supposed to rule their wives and make them submit. And women are to be subject to their husbands as servants are to masters and as subjects are to kings. That's not what the text allows because that word does not mean that. Peter is saying this. Peter is saying, hey, when it comes to in the home and the workings in the home, 
there's a similar relationship, but it's not the same. Let me point out a few things. The government has the right to subject its subjects. The government has the right to subject its subjects. If you don't believe this, any of us can learn very quickly. The government has the right to subject its subjects. Also, even though we don't practice master-servant relationships here in Western culture today, dominantly throughout history, there have existed master and servant relationships, and I think we have the idea of how they work. Masters have the right to subject their servants. Masters have the right to subject their servants. However, husbands have no right to forcefully subject their wives. This is a major difference. Governments and kings are allowed to have the right to subject their, su their subjects. Masters have the right to subject their servants. But husbands have no right to forcefully subject their wives. I want to reference to you... Um, 1 Peter 3.1 and Ephesians 5.22, and I want to make clear what these things do not say. First of all, 1 Peter 3.1 says, likewise, likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands. Notice it does not say, likewise, husbands subjugate your wives. No, it is a willful offering of on the wife's part. Submission is not forced, it's voluntary. Submission is not from the man, it's from the woman, and it's willful. Being subject is a willful decision by the wife. Also, wives submit to your husbands. Notice the scripture does not say, husbands put your wife into submission. It does not say that. The scripture in both places puts this ball in the court of the wives. And this is a willful decision by the wife. It's a decision she is going to make of whether or not she is going to allow herself to be subject to her husband's leadership and submit to his headship. It's not something that he can do for her because the scripture doesn't allow that. It's something that the wife must do herself which brings me to the second principle is that submitting is a willful offering of the wife to God submitting is willful offering or a willful offering of the wife to God when Peter says likewise wives be subject to your own husbands um or turning back to Ephesians 5, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Both of these men are referencing that being subject and submitting is an act and an offering that is toward God. So again, I want to go over that it is willful. Before I go any further, I want to make clear, because submission and being subject is ultimately to God, this is never to submit or to follow the lead of your husband or supporting his headship. It's he is leading you and your family 
into open and blatant rebellion against God. Because ultimately, we are all to be submitted and subject to Christ first. First Christ, and then within the home, God has appointed the man to be the leader. So submitting is a willful offering of the wife to God. Let me just give you a few things. It is willful respect. Willful respect. One of the books that I read a few years ago is a book called Love and Respect by Emerson Egrets, and it's very helpful. It uses Ephesians chapter 5 to talk about basic needs of men and women, that there is a basic need that a man has to be respected, and there is a basic need that a woman has to be loved and feel secure. And what happens often in marriage is that if a man feels disrespected, he will respond in an unloving way. Or if a woman feels unloved, she will respond in a disrespectful way. And it's playing on Ephesians 5 of showing how that, hey, listen, the husband is to love the wife, the wife is to respect her husband, and you have this healthy cycle of going over and over again. And when the cycle gets unhealthy, that's when problems start. So submitting is a willful offering of the wife to God. It's a decision. Ma'am, your husband cannot submit for you. He cannot let he cannot play your role of being subject to his leadership for you. This ball is completely in your court. Being submissive is something that you are going to have to do on your own because this is not something that he can make you do because the scripture does not allow you to do that. And it begins by showing him willful respect. Also, notice another thing is that it takes willful work. In 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 3 it says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry and the clothing that you wear. Now don't press that too hard because for, there are those that say, well, clearly it means that you can't braid your hair and wear jewelry or do makeup or anything like that. Well, it also says don't wear clothes. <laughs> I don't think... That's what it's talking about here. Here's the principle that's being introduced is that, hey, as a woman, most women, many women, put so much pride and attention in a healthy way on their appearance. If you're going to pour so much attention into your appearance and your presentation of who you are externally, at least should it not be that much, and certainly should it be more that you are pouring your attention into being the woman that God has called you to be in the home? If you will pour this much attention on what it takes to look in a certain way, what about the things that are even more important than that? The issues of the heart, which takes work, which takes work. One of the things that there is a huge discrepancy between me and my wife in the mornings. I can get ready in about 12 minutes if I have to. Jump in the shower, dump out, and she would quickly point out, you don't take 12 minutes. It's, it's a little longer than 12 minutes. But if I had to, 
I could get ready, and I, 12 minutes, I'm good. She cannot do that. It takes her time. But you know what? It's so worth it. She's beautiful before. She's beautiful afterwards. It, it's a different, different thing. It takes work to get ready in the morning when she starts her day. And a fair and reasonable thing of looking at the text is saying, listen, if I'm going to put this much work into my presentation of who I am externally, for me to make my homework, then I, you know what? I'm going to put my heart and my effort in being the woman that God has called me to be. Proverbs 31 verse 30 says this, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Also, the other thing that submitting is a willful offering of the wife to God, willful respect, respecting God, respecting her husband, willful work, working to fulfill God's role in the home, and also willful trust, willful trust. You say, well, why would I submit to my husband? Uh, Matt, have you met my husband? Like, why would I do that? Why, that doesn't even make sense. He's not, he's not respectable. He, he, he is not submissible to He's not even a leader. I wouldn't even do that. Ladies, here's the reason. Here's the reason. Because this is how God has designed it. Remember, submission is between you and God first. And your offering of worship to God, your offering of worship to God is submitting to his word. And God says this is how he's designed the home to, to work. Willful trust, and the trust is ultimately in God. Let me go to this next thing. Ladies, he can only be the leader if you let him. He can only be the leader if you let him. Because Why? He cannot subjugate you. He may try, and if he does, call the cops. But the scripture does not say the husband is to do that. The home works by the husband willfully choosing to lead and the wife willfully choosing to follow. It's two decisions. It's two decisions. Now, obviously, any man worth his salt loves his wife, listens to her, knows his heart, knows her heart, and is not going to lead her into danger. But I want to ask you something. What do we call something with two heads? If you see an animal with two heads in the wild, what is it? It's dysfunction. It's a mutation. There's something wrong with it. Or, for instance, have you ever worked in an organization where there were two bosses with the exact same authority. I've worked in one of those before. It was so frustrating. Why? Because you, one would undermine the other one, and it, there was so much friction within that organization because there were two bosses. And in my case, it was a father and son, but neither of them wanted to be the head leader. They both wanted to lead. And it was so difficult working in that organization on the inside. Anything in nature with two heads is a mutation. It's dysfunctional. 
when we think about marriage, it's two parts. A man and a wife. And anything that's healthy has one head. Now, we could say, well, why can't the wife be the head? Well, the wife can be the head. I mean, you all may work it out and say, hey, listen, we're just going to let my wife lead. She's good at that stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm just going to follow her lead. You can do that, and it might work. But that's not what the Scripture says. And for me as a Christian person, like nowhere in the Scripture does it say, husband, submit yourself to your wives. It says we're to submit ourselves to one another out of mutual respect for one another. But nowhere does it say wives lead your husbands. That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says no husbands are to lead your wives. So therefore, we do this because this is the way God has designed this to work. So how can you submit to your husband? There's a few things. Number one, again, he can only be the leader if you let him, is acknowledge his role. Acknowledge his role. First, you've got to know that God has given him this role. And don't take my word for it. You read 1 Peter 3 on your own. You read Ephesians 5 on your own. And you be honest with the text and ask yourself, what is this saying? What is this really saying? Acknowledge his role. Secondly, is respect his role even if you cannot respect him in the moment. Respect his role even if you cannot respect him in the moment. And then third, is empower him by following him. Empower him by following him. Ladies, you have the power to make him or break him. Make him or break him. Let me read to you three passages and then we have something special. Proverbs chapter 18, verses 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. This morning, I told Andrea, one of the best things that ever happened outside of Jesus, the best thing that ever happened to me was her coming into my life. But I want to read to you, ladies, and don't miss this one. Proverbs 14.1 from the New Living Translation. A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. I think about that verse. I think about our Christian homes, and I think about I'm a daddy of daughters, and my desire for my girls is they go out and make homes of their own. And this one is sobering for me. Because I want Proverbs 31, 28 through 29. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. So here's what we're going to do today. Andrea graciously agreed to be asked some questions this morning. I had the privilege of marrying her 18 years ago this year. And it has been a dream to be married to this woman. But I haven't been married long, or too, long enough to her to actually be the one to ask the questions. So Ricky is going to ask the questions this morning. So y'all go ahead. Meeting on Monday, Pastor Matt. And, oh, yeah. yeah, this is one. 
in a staff meeting on Monday, Pastor Matt was talking about this, and, and I said, well, we really should ask Andrea, because he was talking about, okay, what do you say? I mean, this, is, this can be a, uh, an intimidating subject for a pastor to preach. And uh, uh, anyway, it turned into, I said, well, tell you what, why don't you let me ask the questions, and we'll put you in a soundproof room in the back. Uh, <laughs> So Andrea can say whatever she wants. But uh, Andrea, thank you for doing this. So we're just going to talk through a little bit here. And uh, we're a little scripted, but that's okay. Uh, Andrea, so, so what do you think um, women hear when they hear that wives are, are supposed to submit to their husbands? Right. I feel that women often hear the word submit, and then you hear inferior. You hear controlled. You hear less than. Um, the idea really comes with such a negative connotation in our modern age. There's this idea of women being um, independent and strong and you don't need a man. And so I think it's received in a, a negative light. It's not looked at as a gift. Yeah, it is true in our, our culture. It is, if, we're, if we don't read it the way Scripture shares it, it does come across. So when, when you see submit or subject, those words what what does what does that mean to you personally okay to me personally I believe it is voluntarily placing myself under my husband's authority while recognizing the value of my role uh, submission is actually a gift of grace from the Lord I believe it looks like selflessness service accountability and respect for your partner um, when I say gift of grace you know as much as we women like to control as soon as we take the reins and attempt to get what I would say in my husband's lane, uh, we actually feel very out of control and we're bound under this pressure. We assume a weight of leadership and responsibility that we were never meant to carry. So submission is actually really freeing for the wife. I don't have to be the one in charge and God just really gives us that kindness in deferring to our husband. I share that with couples all the time. Lori and I talk about that. Uh, we have two daughters, mm -hmm. and uh, we see that as very freeing. Yes. Um, and and there are times in in life where you have to make hard decisions. That's right. Uh, but it's so cool that you you know we we talk about all the time being married is a team sport. Amen. <laughs> and but occasionally you have to have coach. That's the head right. coach has to make some decisions. So, That's right. so um, can you share with us some examples of godly wives that have made an impression in your life? Absolutely. So the first one that always comes to mind for me is my youth pastor's wife growing up. Her name is Allison House. And Allison just had such a gentle, quiet spirit. She was a leader, no doubt, and she loved the Lord and was um, just a, a follower of her husband in such a godly manner. So I always think of her. Um, but as I was thinking this week about people even here, and there's so many women here that have influenced my life greatly over the last seven years. Um, but something that your wife actually does that I have always loved and respected is that if I reach out to Lori and ask if she can help me with the kids and I give her a date, she always says, I think that sounds wonderful. Let me check with Ricky. And she always says that. And I just think that is so kind because she's always respectful of your home, your time, and that's a sweet gift to me. So I've always thought very highly of Lori in that. Our schedule's a little crazy, but we love having your kids well, at our thanks. house. So. <laughs> Anybody else is willing, tell me, and I'll let you know. <laughs> always need help. <laughs> so, so what effect does fulfilling your biblical role, positively or negative, have 
at your house. Absolutely. So I really believe the biggest blessing is just peace that comes from it. You know, we've been called to be our husband's helpmate, not God's helpmate. Um, you know, we, it really, it displays the gospel. Um, when we acknowledge ourselves, we humble ourselves before the Lord and acknowledge him as our authority. When we do that same thing in our homes, when we humble ourselves and think highly of our husbands and we put him above, uh, it, it, it's not lost on the world because it is so not the picture that we see displayed in our present time. And so I think it's also an evangelistic tool for our children that they can see. So we got just a minute to your, what are, what are some practical things that uh, you found uh, which help you as you pursue to fulfill God's design for your role in your home? Absolutely. Some things that would be an encouragement to the ladies in the room. I honestly think the biggest thing is uh, practicing the pause is what I would say. Um, oftentimes, as soon as Matt will start to communicate something to me, automatically in my head I'm thinking through, well, but I know this, and I think we should do it that way. Um, but if I will just stop and I will actually take the time to listen to his heart and what he's saying and not just jump in and try to um, be the coach while he is coaching and guiding, uh, that is a very practical way to help me be submissive to him. And also another practical way is just to always, I feel like with what Lori does, present it to Matt. Just Go to him before I commit to do things. And that's a very practical, a practical way that I can be submissive in my home. This is not on our script, but when you okay. think about your girls, um, yes. what's one thing that you just would love to say to every young girl in the room? Hey, this is, this is what it means to, to live for the Lord as a mom, as a wife, to uh, be an example uh, of what Matt's teaching today, what God's sharing with all of us. Right. Well, first I would say to my girls, this is truth. Everything else that you hear and you see um, through media and, again, just our modern age of what is presented as a woman, that's not truth. And you need to be in the Word. You need to know the truth. And when you follow that and you live in that obedience, there is blessing and satisfaction and fulfillment that only God can give through it that the world cannot give. Amen. We're so blessed to call you and Matt our friends, and he our pastor, and uh, you two are a blessing to us. Well, it's a joy to, to walk with you, to watch you all live your lives, and to pray for you every day. And uh, we are grateful for, aren't you thankful that we have a pastor's wife who's willing to sit up here in this awkward position? We love you. See, and just like that, we became Methodist women preachers. And it's just, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Love our Methodist friends. But anyway, thank you, Andrea, and God bless each of you. I want to invite you to think about these things this week. And also, as we come to this close, this time of the service, friends, if you do not have a personal relationship with the Lord, this Jesus that we talk about every week, you have never put your faith and trust in him you can come and do that today. Come and speak to one of our ministers and say, listen, I want to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Also, if you are here and God has been working and moving on your heart to join First Baptist, you can come at this time as well. Or if you would like to pray with one of our ministers, we'll be here at the front together. Will you